Welcome to the Disney at Work podcast, bringing magical ideas to improve your world from the happiest place on earth. Your host is J. Jeff Kober, author, speaker, and consultant to organizations around the globe that look to bring best of Disney ideas to their workplace. Welcome to this episode of the Disney at Work podcast. Today, we have uh, two guests with us on the line. Not only do I have and am joined by Jeff Kober, owner and operator of DisneyAtWork.com, but today we are going to talk Shanghai Disneyland with Chris Nelgay, owner and operator of TokyoDisneyExplorer.com, which is the go-to site if you are considering planning a trip to any of the Asian Disney theme parks. Welcome, Chris and Jeff. Yeah. Hey, so good to have you, Chris. Hello. Well, thank you for having me. This this is going to be fun. (laughs) This is going to be so hard because we could talk about all of the parks in Asia, and (laughs) we could just go on and on forever because... uh, uh, and by the way, if you haven't had a chance to go to TDR Explorer, Chris has some really great um, uh, planning guides for going there. You do not want to go to any of those resorts without doing some planning ahead of time. And uh, I know I've depended on them, and uh, and uh, they're very they're very helpful in terms of uh, making sure you're making all the right decisions when you're heading out there. Uh, we thought, Chris, this would be a great opportunity. Uh, we are here to uh, celebrate Shanghai Disney's uh, resort's first anniversary. And um, I think this is a great opportunity to kind of reflect on the last year and what's been working and what it's, uh, what's going well and what are the opportunities and what we think the future might look like and uh, just kind of get a sense of it. We, we said at the beginning of the year we thought that this was one of the most important stories of the year, even though... It was probably the most important story for Disney last year. Uh, we think it's still an important story this year because uh, these these parks are are tender when they're starting, and whether or not you are going to get the attendance you think you're going to get, and whether the reception toward all things Disney is going to be what you think it's going to be, uh, is not always so so um, easy to attain as uh, we can witness in places like. Uh, uh, Hong Kong Disneyland, and so um, so tell us, uh, tell us, Chris, uh, when did you first get a chance to uh, visit the resort? Um, I visited Shanghai on opening day, actually. So uh, June sixteenth of twenty sixteen was my very first visit to Shanghai Disneyland. <laughs> oh, you're so good. What what, what was uh, what was the highlight? What uh, I know that was a little bit of a rainy day, but what what stood out in your mind about that day? Um, I, I would have to say probably being some of the first guests to, to walk through the gates on the, on the, the opening day, <clears throat> I'd say that's probably the biggest thing. And just knowing that, you know, everything that was happening that day, you know, this was the first time it's happening for the public. So I thought that was, that, that was something really special and something that I probably won't be able to do again in my lifetime. Cause I, you know, I doubt they're going to be opening another resort like this big in our lifetime. Hard to say. I don't know. But it's one of those things that was just a once in a lifetime opportunity. Awesome. Awesome. And um, and the guests seemed pretty happy. I think that, that most of the guests that day were um, 
do you still feel the same energy uh, from the guests that are coming into the park on your subsequent visits that uh, that you kind of felt on that very first day? Um, I would say so. Yeah, I see. Um, people are very enthusiastic. They're very you know happy to be there, and it's just. Yeah, it's just a, you know, it's a it's a magical place. <laughs> yeah, now so you've had the opportunity to visit a lot of parks, especially the ones in Asia. Tell give us your sense of how you would rate this park in comparison to in, in comparison to other um Disney parks that you have visited and and toured. I would say this is probably the most technically advanced park and most modern. So you know, this is this is the type of Disney park that we get. You know, that's built at this time. You know, it's it's much different than when Hong Kong was built and when Tokyo was built. So there's a lot of new technology that was used in the park, and they also learned from their mistakes from you know the past parks. Like Shanghai Disneyland is a huge park, so they definitely built it with um, the uh, knowing that they're going to expand on it. Instead of trying, instead of trying to, you know, shoehorn things into small little spaces. Yeah. So I think, to me, that that was one of the one of the things that I noticed right away, just how big the park was. Boy, I'm I'm glad you said the park was big because I kept thinking the same thing. I thought, man, this park is big, you know. <laughs> and you know, I've done the Epcot thing, and you know, and so many every other park, but I have to. And Tokyo Disney is not a small park to you know to traverse, but. Um, but it is it is uh, just to cross through the center gardens of imagination is uh, is uh, is a hike in and of itself. It seems. Oh yeah, I, I think so. I timed it to go from I think it was Adventure Isle all the way to Tomorrowland, like doing like doing oh, uh-huh. the whole arch, like going up through Fantasyland and all that. I think it was a good fifteen to twenty minutes, something like that. Like it's not quick. <laughs> it take it takes a while. Yeah, no, it isn't. And of course, they're adding on uh, Tokyo, or not uh, Tokyo. They're adding on yeah. Toy Story Land, um, and uh, and that's all going to add even more um, space and accommodation to the to the park. Um, culturally, you know, so give us a little background about you, Chris, because you're really headquartered in the Tokyo area. Yeah, that's correct. And so, and how long have you been in Tokyo, and how long have you been part of that? that cultural scene? Um, I, I've lived here for three and a half years now. Okay. So yeah, I moved here in 2013 is when I moved here. And of course you've been to Hong Kong Disneyland, uh, mm-hmm. Hong Kong Disney resort as well. Um, tell us a little bit about how you, how, how does these parks compare in terms of the guest reception? Hmm. <laughs> the guests are, very different between all three the uh, between all three of the resorts here in Asia. Um, for those that have been to Tokyo, of course, like everyone is very enthusiastic here. Everyone like they're really really passionate about Disney. They're passionate about the shows, the characters, all those things. They know and, the park. They, yeah, they know the park. They know what they're wanting to do. They they plan things that they do there. They line up for hours. To get to that, uh, to those incredible parades that they do there, so it, it, it they really come in with a knowledge of what they're experiencing at Tokyo. 
I actually had the interesting experience of my, I mean, I've only been there once, but the, the time that we went was in early September and it was the first four days in the parks were costume days for Halloween. And so I show up for the very first time and my travel partner and I were saying to ourselves, these people go all out. I mean, they're in these huge princess dresses and ball gowns. Jeff, I think that I've you know shared some of those photos with you and there were parties of eight to 10 people all dressed up as a different character from a different movie. And I said to my, like I, the, one of the first texts I sent to my wife from Tokyo Disneyland was, you will never believe how, how far out they go. And then I learned that it was all for costume days, but it was still cool walking around and seeing all the costumes and the costumes that some of these people had from the shows that were in uh, that were actually in those parks, you know, that were des- that they designed or had made, whatever it was, specifically for those times. So there's no, I mean, there's no going halfway, and I think that's exciting to feel um, in a in a Disney park. And, and and I would say that even on days unlike that, you still see a lot of the term cosplay, where people have that touch of Disney in, in terms of how they dress up and so forth at Tokyo. Mm-hmm. I, I think I agree with you, Chris, that uh, that people really know their park over Tokyo compared to Shanghai. And what I, I recognize as Shanghai is that they didn't really know going into that park, what were the attractions to really embrace? Um, I never saw a long line, for instance, at Pirates of the Caribbean, which I think are, is one of the great attractions at Shanghai, uh, Disneyland. Um, but you couldn't help but notice a good, strong, uh, wait at, uh, at the Fantasia Carousel or the Dumbo Flying Elephants. Is that your experience or what did you say? Yeah, I would say that was my experience as well. Well, for the when I was there for the grand opening, it, everything was so new that nobody really knew where to go. So, based off that experience, it's it was kind of you know not not typical. But when I went back this past March, I noticed where like where all the crowds went. So as you mentioned, you know, um, pirates always had a low wait time. I think the highest we saw it was maybe thirty minutes. Hmm. So that's you know that's. That's a that's a nothing compared to Tokyo. So, um, yeah. And then over at Soaring, that was sitting at 180 minutes within the first hour of the park opening. Yeah. Now that's always seemed to be a, a long attraction. They seem to move to the right. They not only Soaring but the um, uh, ropes course. I'm trying to think of the name of that. Uh, Camp um, Discovery. I believe. Camp Discovery. Yeah. yeah. I of course Camp Discovery doesn't have a very good. Um, uh, theoretical hourly ride capacity THRC, no, like something like Pirates, but um, but definitely there was great interest in in enjoying that attraction uh, as well. What is what is your favorite? Um, what is your favorite thing to do when you visit Shanghai? <sighs> I'm really torn between Pirates and Tron because I love them both. I think they're both fantastic <laughs> attractions. I guess like. I love them both for different reasons. Like Tron is just cool. Like it has that that cool Tron factor to it. Whereas mm-hmm. Pirate Pirates is just it's phenomenal. Yeah, I love that place in Tron when you're in the um waiting room and you're given instructions and then all of a sudden it lights up and you see the uh the uh, rocket uh rod Am I in like rocket rods for Tomorrowland at Disneyland? Where am I here? <laughs> but uh the bikes taking off. Uh, you know, down below, that is such a cool moment when all that lights up, and you have no idea that 
it's on the other side of the wall. So how about you, David? What what uh, what are your favorites at Shanghai? Yeah, I'd have to agree with 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 Chris. I think I mean, I, Pirates of the Caribbean is probably my favorite ride at any Disney park. I've never been to Paris yet, but I've been to the the ten other ones. And hands down, Pirates is the best, just because I mean they wrote a brand new score for it, and I love theme park music. Uh, the the new way that the boat vehicle moves around and helps tell that story, not just with screens, but also with with practical effects. And then I love Tron Tron too, just for a for a thrill from a thrill ride standpoint. Uh, and what I really like about Tron is I think you get a lot of, a long time uh, to be able to see basically and build that anticipation and that excitement as you're getting ready to board i mean you get to see quite a few of those people load and then take off and i think that gets me more excited at a place like in walt disney world you know for big thunder mountain you might only actually see two trains take off while you're waiting i'd guess that while you're waiting in line and you enter that large room where you load onto tron i would guess that if if it's a long line you're going to see 10 if not more trains take off and that make i get excited by that yeah no i i love both of those attractions they are phenomenal um experiences i i may just be the lone wolf here but i'm going to add uh the enchanted storybook castle and now some people just are not big on the color scheme and i can kind of see where they're coming from but i i thought that the uh is it the Royal Banquet Hall within it? Um, yes. It's a great, a great place for a meal, a great place to get away from the heat and the humidity outside and the crowds. I, and I, and the once upon a time uh, little experiences, which is really almost the A-ticket type experience. It's such a kind of simple but interactive. Going back to your point, Chris, earlier, you know, even it uses that technology to kind of uh, create an interaction there. And I just love the idea that I get to go up in the castle because you don't, what, here at Walt Disney World, unless you've figured out how to get, um, you know, meal reservations 90 days in advance, uh, you're not <laughs> likely to go up into the castle. And uh, and I like the fact that there there's opportunities to explore that. Um. The uh, the other thing that I like about uh, the park is the the uh, stage show that they have that's in front of the castle. I guess the castle show, uh, Gold mm. Golden Fairy Tale Fair, or I I, can't, I can never remember the name. It's it's their stage show, and, and I think it's beautiful. It's a beautifully done show. I just I love the uh, the uh, music in it and all the dancers and stuff, and the uh, stage rises and everything, and there's water. And probably my favorite bit of it is from um, uh, the uh, Brave section where um, she uh, comes out on this horse. Well, it it, uh, looks like a horse, but she's actually like sitting on two people who are dressed as a horse. So she's like riding around the stage, which I think is actually pretty cool. Yeah, no, I think, yeah, I love that too. And I love, um, I love uh, what was kind of a pleasant surprise to me was, uh, because I was so early, I, I didn't see any videos in advance of it. The Eye of the Storm Captain Jack's uh, stunt show. Uh, that really oh, yes. blew me away <laughs> toward the end. And uh, it was just so, so different and so awesome. I, I thought that was just over the top. Yeah, I, I 
when I went for the grand opening, I didn't see it because I just ran out of time. Uh, but I saw it when I went the second time. And yeah, same as you. Like it, it, it just blew me away because I like for me, I don't like to watch videos ahead of time. I like to experience everything first before I watch anything. Yeah. So yeah, sure. when I watched it, I, I had no idea what to expect at all. And I was just like, wow, I <laughs> this is something that you don't really see all that often <laughs> in terms of a stage show. Yeah, it, it really was a, a uniquely crafted um, show uh, in and of itself. I thought the Tarzan show was, I mean, there really are some great shows out there that are, are worthy of, consider, of, of your time and consideration when you're at the parks. Um, have you had a chance to stay at both resorts um, or have you just, um, have you stayed at any of the resorts? Uh, yeah, I stayed, at, I stayed at both the Shanghai Disneyland Hotel and the Toy Story Hotel. So I know, David, you stayed at Toy Story, and yes. I stayed at the Shanghai. Uh, so you get the unique privilege of comparing the two. How did, I mean, besides the price and, you know, one is more moderate and one is more deluxe, how did you compare the feel and the experience of the two? Um, I liked how the Shanghai Disneyland Hotel didn't just copy the, the whole Victorian theme from the other flagship hotels at the other Disney parks. Mm. I like that they took their own spin on it so mm-hmm. to create something more um more um unique which i which i really enjoyed and yeah, then I love uh, that, how it ties into that um kind of early uh shanghai art deco kind of feel while still putting a very disney twist into it oh yeah <laughs> and then uh the toy story hotel um a lot of people don't like it for some reason. I don't know why. I enjoyed it. Like I like when I when I went to the hotel, I knew it wasn't going to be, you know, like the Shanghai Disneyland Hotel. Um so going in with that, like it was a fun hotel. Like it's perfectly fine, especially for the price. I think the price is worth it. Uh considering that you're right on property, like you can walk to the park if you really wanted to. And the rooms are comfortable. Um, there's dining and like, there's a dining hall there and everything. And it's just, it's, it's a very playful hotel, which, you know, is, is suited. <laughs> did you feel like taking the buses was, it was a hassle or, or did you think that they minimized that inconvenience? Um, I found it really easy. Like I didn't, I didn't find any issues with it whatsoever. Yeah. I didn't have problems with the buses. I thought the buses were extremely convenient. I think the only time that I ever may have waited very long and by long i mean maybe 10 15 minutes was at the end of the night if i you know or in the in in the early evening hours i guess if i was going back to my hotel to drop some stuff off or grab an umbrella or something like that Uh, because i stayed at the toy story hotel too and i agree with chris i thought it was fantastic Uh, for the price point i mean it felt like a disney hotel you walk into that place and you just feel like okay this is a disney hotel and it was i mean the bus service was extremely quick uh, and we just waited for, for buses every now and again when leaving the park uh, to get there, but never never in the morning to, to, to go to the park. I thought it was quite smooth. Very cool. Very cool. Now, one of the things I feel like I did not get a chance to do enough of was really getting a sense of the vibe and, and appreciating uh, Disney Town. Uh, and probably as a result, I didn't, I didn't walk away feeling uh that impressed by it um although i thought the fact that they were they put in a back entrance 
into the area between uh, Mickey Avenue and Tomorrowland was a smart move on their part. Um, what what were your impressions, Chris, of that of that area? Um, I really enjoyed Disney Town because uh, well, here in Tokyo uh, we don't have like a, a, a quote unquote downtown Disney. We have uh, what is called um, Expiari. Which mm-hmm. which is owned by um, the uh, OLC Oriental then, yeah. but it's very like, geared. Like to me, it feels like it's very geared towards young women. Like, there's a lot of clothing stores, a lot of you know thing like stores like that, and like little, um, like yeah, kinda, yeah, yeah, like little like these little like little bakeries and stuff like that. So things that you know, for me, I'm not really interested in, of course. But with yeah. Disney Town, I felt like there was such a variety of shops and restaurants there that you could be anyone. You can go there and you can find something that you would really enjoy. And I just like, I just enjoyed the, the whole layout of it as well. And, um, going back to the uh, entrance that you just mentioned, um, I noticed uh, during my last trip, um, if you're, if you're actually like walking by, there inside the park, they actually have this little kiosk that has all the restaurant menus for you to look at if you're deciding if you want to go out of the park into Disney Town, which I thought was how actually smart. really cool. Yeah, how smart is that? I now I took in um, uh, on my first night. I took in uh, the uh, Cheesecake Factory, which was very <laughs> comparable to you know any Cheesecake Factory. Did did either of you mm-hmm. try the Boathouse? No. Um. I did once, but it was just for drinks, I believe. Oh, really? Because yeah. the boathouse is very popular here at Disney Springs. And so I wondered if it um, had that same kind of vibe and feeling uh, there at uh, Disney Town. I think I ate almost completely in park. I think I wanted to try all the different in park locations. So I don't know that I left the park to eat, at least not that I can remember. So I imagine after three years of living in Asia, three and a half years of living in Asia, Chris, you've uh, you've managed to take on some some uh, appreciation for Asian cuisine. Would that be a fair statement? Yeah, I would say so. <laughs> but um, sometimes I do miss having you know the Cheesecake Factory. So uh, we ended up eating there twice because there <laughs> there's no there's no Cheesecake Factory here in japan so i thought well this is the Mm. closest one instead of going all the way to america i can go to shanghai so it was Uh, good i don't blame you for that i don't blame (laughs) you were there any other restaurant experiences that really stood out for you i mentioned royal banquet hall um anything else that really stood out because i tell you uh, tokyo i don't i don't think i've really done any sit-down restaurants in tokyo Mm -hmm. but even counter service restaurants in tokyo have so many delightfully unique fun things that um, you know, it's just the little green men dumplings, you know, in, in Tomorrowland are one of the things that stand out to me. So I just wonder if you had that same experience, or if that was a missing component for you in the park. Um, I felt Shanghai's food, like overall, what isn't as strong as Tokyo's, but Tokyo's is really high bar to to surpass. So I don't really, mm. I can't fault them for that. Um. But for the most part, like I had, a, we had a very good experience with the food in Shanghai. Uh, we did the Royal Banquet Hall, which was excellent. Um, we also did the table service restaurant in the Shanghai Disneyland Hotel. The um, uh, what was it called? The um, Aurora. We did that, and that was superb. Um, and then for like counter service, we did the 
whispering whispering willow tree or i can i i am you mean I the, am, uh the harvest moon or the the wandering moon tea yeah house? yeah that one yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah that 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 one was really good and i think it's probably one of the the most beautiful counter service restaurants in the park because it's just so well it's you know it's it's a, a chinese decor you know it, it looks like a tea house <laughs> So that's a counter service when you go into it. Yeah, it, they serve uh, like rice bowls with like pork and vegetables and the, beef. The and one stuff. that that looks like a tea house, kind of in the shadow of the of the castle at the edge of Gardens of Imagination. Yeah. Wow, I did not know that. I thought that was a sit down restaurant. I would have tried that out, but time wise, I didn't think I I had the the window to wait. So <laughs> that was that's a miss. See, I learned something here. So, um, how about you, David? Anything standing out for you? Uh, in terms of food, no, I, I don't remember specifically. I was there with somebody uh, and actually getting to tour a little bit with somebody who worked there. And so luckily they were able to kind of point me in directions of, of what kind of things to order. Because I am not by any means an adventurous eater. But I figured, you know, one in Rome. So um, I, I, I did try to try to sample some of the... What, what would be considered traditional Chinese cuisine. I loved Royal Banquet Hall as well. Uh, I ate at Barbosa's. Is that the name of the yeah. restaurant? That's kind mm-hmm. of like their Blue Bayou. Yeah. I actually didn't didn't have very good luck with that at all. Um, in fact, it was kind of a joke of me. My travel partner for the rest of the trip was that he had made me eat there, and it was just it, it was just a bad meal. Uh, but then I did kind of enjoy. What is the name of the restaurant uh, that has all of the the character art drawn, and it's kind of spanning the entire restaurant. It's a quick service location. Yeah, on Mickey Avenue. Um, yes. That is and, the Mickey and Pals Market Cafe, yeah. I believe. I, I actually didn't, you know, you'd look at it and you wouldn't say, ooh, this is going to be a unique dining experience, but I really kind of liked it. I took a massive amount of pictures, but the food wasn't, again, just, you know, typical fare. That was, I think, where we ate on our last night, uh, but I, I didn't, didn't mind it at all. Now that that's a I think that's a very good location for uh, a great variety of things uh, to choose from, and then the Ratatouille Bakery right next door is a really great uh, little place for getting something sweet uh, to eat afterwards. So, at any rate, yeah, it's a uh, there's so much to to like about this park. I I I was a little intimidated having seen the other parks. Was I really going to like this? experience and uh i tell you i fell in love with shanghai disney the moment i arrived at the shanghai disneyland or shanghai disney resort hotel the quality there was so um so disney and so um so spot on that i just felt like i was really walking into a magical experience living here in orlando we don't i don't do the resort experience much at I mean, we eat at the resort hotel restaurants and things like that. But staying overnight and checking in and doing those kinds of things, swimming in their pools or whatever, I don't do a lot in Walt Disney World. So because we live here, but uh, but to experience uh, to experience that, I thought that was probably one of the that that just set the stage for everything that followed at the at the resort. So, uh, word on the street is that they're probably going to end at about 11 million in attendance for the year. Um, that's not uh, Tokyo Disney numbers, but that isn't Hong Kong Disney numbers either. Um, 
Uh, in fact, actually, it's it's comparable to what I think Tokyo Disney numbers were when 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 to, when that park uh, first opened. Um, the future, I I I'm very. I think they've created a place that can, like you kind of mentioned earlier, there's so much space in the park, Chris, to build out and to add on. And it seems very reasonable to me that left, or I'm sorry, right of the park, as you face the park, on the other side of the uh, train station, seems to be reasonable space for adding a second park at some point. Um, it seems to me like there's a there's a strong future ahead for uh, Shanghai Disneyland. What are what are your thoughts? Uh, yeah, I think I think there's lots of potential for this park. Um, as you mentioned, yeah, there's tons and tons of space there, and like for me, well, since I like I've I've never been to another Disney park when it first opened, so I have nothing to really compare this to. But I felt that this first year, I think they did a really good job with what they were working with. Like it, like Shanghai Disneyland just has this, this magic to it. And so to me, I think that is a, a a huge success in my, in my opinion. Uh, I, I completely agree. And, um, uh, I think it has a lot of potential and I think that, uh, you know, Bob Iger talks about having spent, years um almost decades trying to get that park to become a reality and uh i see so much potential uh moving forward uh for it and i think i think in time the chinese will really embrace uh, uh you know being a disney fan um maybe never quite to the degree that uh that the japanese have embraced tokyo but uh, I, I, I think just as much, if not more, than, than people in the Hong Kong area have embraced uh, that park. Your thoughts, David? Yeah, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to hopefully someday going back and seeing how that park grows. You know, it's a, it, Chris kind of mentioned how, how cool it is to be able to be at a park on opening day. And I think it was really cool to be able to visit it in its opening year. But I think the more interesting thing is going to be what it looks like and how it moves and how it it, it, it acts uh, five years down the road, ten years down the road. Not just how they've expanded, but how they've kind of ironed things out. I remember a very frustrating experience when I was there was the fireworks show at night, uh, the fireworks castle projection show, and how difficult those cast members had it trying to get uh, the local guests to not climb on rocks and not sit on anything they could possibly sit on to see the fireworks. I mean, they were just at a point, some of the poor cast members just gave up because people wouldn't listen. And I understand that's because a theme park of that size isn't necessarily uh, something that they're used to. And so getting to getting to that point of complying with their wishes uh, you know, Theme Park University, uh, a really neat blog, has has written uh, a couple articles about getting uh, the local guests in Shanghai to comply. But I'm interested to see, I mean, those are growing pains that I would assume all theme parks have early on. How does that change as they kind of fit a little better into their shoes in the next upcoming two, three, four, five, ten years? I think that's what will be interesting to see, even if I can't go to read about it and see pictures about what that uh, evolution is like. 
So, and I'm a fan. I don't know how you feel about it, Chris, but I'm I kind of like Toy Story Land at Hong Kong Disneyland. Um, that I didn't think I would, but um, that part of the park kind of settled on me. And what I think, I think the Chinese are going to embrace that little section of the park quite well. In the same way that I mentioned Dumbo and the Carousel, I I, I find that the Chinese love to. Uh, showcase photos, take pictures, send them out on their version of Instagram and Facebook or whatever out and to say, you know, here I am. And and what I love about that kind of section of the park is it provides a very visual place for them to send those photos and to, to take a photo and send it out. So I think even that little addition is going to be a, a well, I don't know, what do you think, Chris? Yeah, uh, for me, um, my uh, first Toy Story experience was in um, Hong Kong, and um, mm -hmm. I guess uh, I I kind of grew up with um, Toy Story. I was about twelve, thirteen when the movie first came out, so I was you know at that right age to you know really embrace Toy Story. So going there and seeing the land was you know it was a lot of fun, and I, I enjoyed it. Um, I would say, I mean, it's no, no mystic, it's no <laughs> no, mystic no, manner by any means. <laughs> Nowhere near, but um, but Nowhere I can near. appreciate what they did with but, it but because you know toys are simple, so therefore the land is going to be simple in a sense in terms of its design and you know using the toys and everything. So that's something that I can I can really appreciate. And Toy Story is one of those things that is very easy to relate to. So I think, you know, a, a lot of people, especially from, you know, ch from China, um, that's something that's really easy for them to relate to. So therefore, you know, they're going to kind of gravitate towards that a little bit more, I think. Yeah. Culturally, they're going to read it, you know, quite quickly, as opposed to Voyage of the Crystal Grotto, which is a nice little ride, but you have no idea what you're getting on board to um, because it's it doesn't speak, you know, when you get in front of it as to well, okay, what, what, what Disney attraction is this all about? Even though it's a celebration of many Disney attractions, you wouldn't know getting on the boat. Yeah, exactly. I think with, um, like with China, because like they're, they're like to me anyway, that's just my opinion. Uh, they, they're really into the, the whole like live action stuff. So, you know, that, that's why pirate pirates of the Caribbean is doing so well there because that is something that just does really well in China. So a lot of people, can uh, kind of you know relate to that in a sense and yeah. with with yeah. the uh like older disney cartoons that's a little bit harder because a lot of them probably didn't grow up with it no good point um so anyway good i i'm excited to i'm excited to get back there we are um announcing that uh uh i am at back in asia taking care of some clients uh back there in late um August, early September. So actually, we are uh, announcing um, an event on September 4th. And you find more information on my website about a um, one-day Shanghai Disneyland experience where we're going to uh, look at uh, the um, best in business practices, the customer service approach, the, um, the employee cast member approach, and, uh, and we're very excited about that. And then we're also um, providing 
our readers a new um, e-guide that we uh, have just published on Shanghai Disneyland. It is a focus on what makes it um, uh, authentically Disney, distinctly Chinese, and uh, and it's a great. Uh, it's it's uh, it's about um, ah gosh, it's about forty. 50 pages in length with uh, lots of color photos and lots of descriptions about how Disney approached the Chinese market in terms of building this attraction and trying to reach out to that uh, new audience. So please uh, subscribe to Disney at Work and we will um, send you a copy of uh, access to that free uh, e-guide. And then uh, Chris, if, again, um, if you're Going to figure out how to get there. The best way to do it is go to Chris's site. Whether or not it's Shanghai Disney or Hong Kong or Tokyo Disney, Chris, uh, you have some great um, uh, travel guides, uh, planning guides for going there, and um, and so definitely head out to your site as well. We'll put um, the link on our uh, webpage uh, to that. Does that work for you? Yeah, that works for me. Thank you. So where are you next, Chris, in terms of your many adventures? Because every time I see you on Twitter, I think you're in a different uh, you're in a different country. Um, well, I'm I'm back in Tokyo now, and I'm actually going to the parks this week and next week because uh, Tanabata Days begins. Okay, great, great. Which is well, which is which is one of the uh, shorter uh, events that they have. And then the week after, I'm actually headed back to Hong Kong so I can check out the Superhero Summer event that they have okay great great wow good there's some fun things up ahead <laughs> head for you and um and i hope to get to tokyo disney sometime soon too do you have a so when you uh, i know we don't want to get too distracted here but would you have a favorite uh what is your favorite thing at tokyo disney when you head over there um well besides the eating i guess um <laughs> uh i would have to say uh, Attraction-wise, Pooh's Honey Hunt and Journey to the Center of the Earth are my top attractions. Great choices. Great choices. I'd have to agree, especially on the latter. And uh, and you know what? I absolutely love the Country Bear Jamboree. I know that sounds <laughs> kind of crazy, but uh, but they the attention to the animatronics in that uh, in that attraction in in all of the Tokyo Disney attractions is is a step above what we do in the United States. So, I, just simple things like that. It's, there's so much to enjoy at Tokyo Disney. So we please promise us some future point. Let's uh, let's do another podcast on Tokyo Disney and maybe on Hong Kong as well. Of course, that'd be a lot of fun. I think. I move that we have an entire episode simply about the voyage of Sinbad, <laughs> <laughs> because. That, that that is probably my favorite theme park attraction. That anywhere. is, and it sounds. I told odd. you that was probably in my top five. Of oh, all Disney it is just. I, I, do you embrace Sinbad, Chris, or is it, are we just kind of out yeah, there? Are, are, are we idiots? No, I love Sinbad too. I, it's one of the things that I will always do when I go to the park because it's there, there's never really a wait, mm -hmm. and it's just yeah. a phenomenal ride. The music is just adorable. I just, <laughs> it's, it's just adorable. A little monkey. I was there for or a tiger, a little tiger. I'm sorry, Sean, it's monkey over at Mystic Man. Sean Du. Uh, I was Sean in. Um, Good job. I, I th we wow. spent five days in Tokyo, 
And I think I ended, I did three days at Disney Sea, and every one of those nights I ended the last ride. Like I went on right before it ended, and that whole area back there, walking out with virtually no one there, and that was my last ride. It was just, oh, it was, it, it's absolutely phenomenal. So we'll do an entire episode about that. Maybe, yeah. maybe a four or five hey, parter. <laughs> yeah, and Chris, you need to be our guest over here at Walt Disney World and uh, come visit uh, Pandora, the world of Avatar. Yes, I do. I, I, I really need to plan a trip there. <laughs> yeah. Very cool. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. That'll uh, do it for us at DisneyWork.com. Again, please visit DisneyWork.com and click on the podcast tab if you would like to read the show notes from this episode uh, or any of the show notes from our past episodes. You can also uh, subscribe to the email list there and you can receive the Shanghai e-guide that Jeff mentioned. And then again, please visit uh, what our opinion is the definitive guide to the Disney parks in Asia, uh, TokyoDisneyResortExplorer.com. You just just shortened into TDRExplorer.com. And I can tell you that when we traveled in September, there were many, many screenshots saved on my phone of tips and tricks and guides and everything else. That is a place that you need to spend uh, a week or so just culling through all of those articles in advance. And it's going to make your trip much, much more enjoyable. So, Chris, thank you so much for joining us. And we will talk to you next time on Disney at Work. Thank you very much. <laughs>